Hello, I'm Nick Miller, and this is The Sunday Miller, episode four. I'm on my way to the studio now, walking through the Royal Naval College, watching them erect a massive great bubble, which this coming Thursday will contain a plethora of women who may look like they've just been through a traumatic famine, but dressed in outfits so ridiculous you'd only dream they existed after you accidentally ate a very dodgy hash cake. Yes, it's the Alexander McQueen Spring Collection. I'll be telling you why I'm hoping that we can send Elon Musk up to the space station in his own rocket and then cancel the return journey. And quite usefully for a man like Elon, with about 27 children by 43 women, we'll be revealing the very latest list of the most popular baby names. And I'll be telling you why I'm unashamedly hooked on the news channel they call GBBs. And in the aftermath of the Tory conference and the meltdown of that mini-budget, who better to invite as my guest this week than the multi-talented comedian, best-selling author, dot-com entrepreneur, TV and radio pundit, and leading financial journalist, the fabulous Jasmine Bertels. All of that and so much more in this edition. And let's not forget that every now and again, we'll hear interjections by the much-loved one-time psychic of the greatly missed, fabulous Terry Organ, the legendary voice of the balls himself, Alan Deadly Dedicote, who will be interrupting me to say things like this. Nick Miller, a bit like a proper broadcaster, only cheaper. I know I go on uh, about it quite a bit, but I love living in Greenwich. And one of the best things is walking through the Naval College, as I did again on my way to the studio this morning, and seeing what's happening. By which I mean the events happening in and around the buildings and the, and the music emanating from the music college. Uh, you'll hear everything from opera singers to brass instruments to concert piano to drum solos, sometimes all at the same time, which is a bit like listening to the worst kind of avant-garde jazz album. But it also happens to be one of the world's most popular locations for TV and movie productions, to name but a few of late, Cruella, Pirates of the Caribbean, Thor. Um, it's also doubled up as Buckingham Palace in The Crown um, and uh, the 19th century revolutionary Paris in Les Mis. And very recently, they were, they were filming Joachim Phoenix as Napoleon with soldiers fighting in the battlements and horses all over the place. But this week, they've been building a huge set for a major Alexander McQueen fashion show under a giant bubble to keep the elements away from some of the world's leading fashion models on the runway. They don't call it a catwalk anymore, apparently. I watched them setting up. Naomi Campbell was there, sleeves rolled up, fag on, swearing like a docker after she dropped a scaffold pole. I knew it was her. Builder's cleavage, tramp stamp spelt wrong, you know the type. Kate Moss pulled up in a burger van. David Gandhi was flogging 99s. Just as, as normal. Cara Delevingne got locked out, so she slipped in through the railings. And of course, when it comes to the actual fashion show itself, we'll all be going, what the absolute do they look like? And is it just me or do fashion show models look like they're wearing clothes designed by a blind scrap merchant? The Sunday Miller. More balls than the National Lottery. Well, it's certainly been a challenging week for Liz Truss. As I mentioned last week, the Tory party conference was never going to be a ticker tape parade of adoring supporters heralding the new PM as the incoming saviour, thrusting bouquets and popping corks as she majestically strode by. I mean, in fairness, she has lived up to her promises. She said she was willing to be unpopular and she's done that extremely well. 
But it took two unelected Greenpeace campaigners brandishing a banner saying we didn't vote for this to actually wake up the audience during what was otherwise a speech that was about as, as gripping as a bloke from health and safety telling you how not to unfold a ladder at a plastic tubing seminar. Uh, if there was a Mount Rushmore of Prime Ministers, would Liz Truss make it amongst the carvings, or is she wooden enough for there to be no need to in- engage a sculptor? Let's face it, would there be room for all the busts? There'd be more Tory Prime Ministers in the last few years than Watford managers. Maybe what would be a better idea is instead of having sculptures or uh, put, indeed portraits of current and previous Prime Ministers in number 10, as has traditionally been the case of late, Uh, What they should do is, like in hunting circles, when you catch a stag, you mount the head on a trophy plaque. Uh, They should do that with departed prime ministers and hang those on the wall. Is that a bit harsh? I don't know. So nobody looked to be too overjoyed by the Tory party conference, least of all M people who apparently were said to be livid when they heard Liz come on stage to the tune of Move It On Up. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't be able to voice their opinions, and I don't want to highlight the fact they haven't had a hit for about 20 years, but M people, what have you done today to make you feel proud? Uh, What worried me more was that during the speech, a message came up on my my telly saying, warning, flashing images. I thought to myself, I hope she's not resorting to that. She didn't really have much of any substance to say during her speech, just sound bites, but she had to rub it in over her choice of walk-on music. Okay, Liz. Okay, so you went for M people. You didn't have to upset the ageing rock and roll fraternity by saying the status quo was not an option. Run for the hills. It's the Sunday Miller. Just a brief note following on from my piece last week about the London Marathon. As ever, we watched it from the end of our road and cheered on everyone from the first wheelchairs and elite runners to the very last rhinoceros, minion and wheezing tailenders. All of them, all 40,000 plus of them, incredible heroes, raising 37 million quid just on the Just Giving website. That's apparently a 43% year-on-year increase on 2021. Bless every last one of you who donated But 10 years on, there we were cheering on a certain local hero from my original hometown of Wallington in Surrey, David Weir, otherwise known as the Weirwolf, one of the first people we see every year as he tears past us at lightning speed in the men's elite wheelchair race. We wave, he doesn't see us. Let me give you some stats. Now, he has a gold post box in Wallington for his Paralympic golds in 2012. It may not be fair to compare, but Kelly Holmes won two golds at the Olympics, just two golds in one Olympics and was made a dame. David Weir won four golds just in 2012. But get this, the 800 metres, the 1500 metres, the 5000 metres and the marathon. That is mental. In the same Paralympics, the best Paralympics ever in London. Ten Paralympic medals in total, including six golds, six World Championship golds, two World Cup golds, four European Championship golds, one Commonwealth Games gold, eight London Marathon golds. He was bloody well third last Sunday at the age of 43. I can barely get out of my chair, let alone ride in one. How much more does it take for this man to be knighted, for heaven's sake? Come on, King Charles, get your sword out, mate. The Sunday Miller. Half an hour of your life you'll never get back. So, after all, Elon Musk is evidently buying Twitter for the originally agreed knockdown price of 44 billion quid. Uh, sorry, dollars. It's much the same these days, isn't it? Following months of legal battles. He's promised to make the social media platform less woke and less likely to cancel people whose politics it doesn't like. And of course, he himself would never do a Trump and take advantage of the audience he effectively owns. By doing a Trump, I mean the former president and not northern slang for farting. 
Elon Musk never farts. If Elon Musk farted, it would interrupt him talking out of his ass. So having promised never to abuse his control of a social platform, what does he do? He puts up a Twitter poll that suggests the Ukraine and Russia should agree a peace deal, which purports that Zelensky should give up the Crimea to pacify Putin, which is a bit like me saying I'll stop bombing your house if you give me your car. So Putin would be seen to be victorious and live to massacre another day. Great idea, Elon. Fuck off up to the space station and stay there. But spare a thought for poor old Jeff Bezos, the man who owns Amazon and a rocket that looks like a cock. No longer the world's richest man, thanks to Elon. He's down to his last $130 billion. Now, some greedy Amazon workers have been demanding a wage increase of £2 an hour, little caring that poor Jeff last week decided to tighten his belt by not buying another super yacht, even though the ashtrays are full. These days, he can now barely afford to buy Switzerland, let alone to buy Canada, in order for him to be able to store Switzerland. I've set up a Just Giving page so that you greedy Amazon workers can donate whatever you can afford, as long as it's not less than a grand. Because he hates small change. If you can donate as little as 8,000 quid, he can at least buy a bottle of cheap wine for his in-laws at Christmas. Please give generously, you tight ass. Nick Miller, the voice of the common man. Very common. I've been watching a fair bit of GB News just lately, and I'm ashamed to say I'm really enjoying it. Actually, I'm not ashamed at all, truth be known. Even though a friend of mine, who's so far to the left, he probably never appears in any of his family photographs, calls it GBBs, which, to be fair, is very funny. But in my defence, the channel's a very different beast to the one that was launched uh, by Andrew Neil in his very dark garage in April of last year. Back then, the screen quality was so bad, it looked like it was filmed by a 1960s porn director. Now it's very professional, it's opinionated, it's fun. But of course, I'm not allowed to admit that I enjoy watching it in this very illiberal, liberal society of ours. Mentioning that I watch GB News amongst most of my friends is tantamount to saying I enjoy having a wank in the middle of Sainsbury's. But aside from the sometimes unintentionally comedic elements, there are a lot of very intentionally satirical programmes, in particular the late night press review, which is called Headliners. It does allow for responsible comment about current affairs, but generally it's deliberately funnier and less dry than the equivalent programmes on Sky News and, and that that left wing channel, what's it called? Oh, oh yeah, the BBC. Um, hosted by some very bright and impressive comedians such as Mark Dolan, Andrew Doyle and especially Simon Evans, who once did a show for me but turned up at my office by mistake rather than the venue in Croydon, having cycled all the way from North London, wherever that is. So he turned up an hour late and sweating profusely. I knew I should have booked Prince Andrew. Amongst the regular guest contributors to GB News these days is a very lovely and talented friend who I first knew as a comedian and latterly as a successful writer and now financial journalist and owner of the excellent Money Magpie website. That's the brilliant Jasmine Bertels, and she's up next. The Sunday Miller. You wouldn't have to listen to this nonsense if you were in church. Now, I'm delighted to say that my guest is uh, a good friend. We've been, we, Jasmine Bertels, we've been friends uh, for a fair while. And I'm very happy to say that, in fact, I can almost carbon date this because we named our middle daughter after oh. you. You'll be pleased to know that little Bertels is now 24. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you, you have this annoying um, touch of the Dorian Gray about you because, uh, to me, you don't look any older on the telly or in real life than when I first knew you, whereas I now look like the portrait in your attic. <laughs> and that's, 
That's me with the blonde yes, wig and the yes. pink chiffon. <laughs> <laughs> it looks very nice. Oh, good, good. I'm pleased. If you if you type Nick Miller into Google Images, you mainly get the fictional one from New Girl, or you get the big burly shot putter bloke, or that scrawny, rather dull weatherman. I'm sure he's a very nice bloke. But there are loads of pictures of you on Google, all very, very, very lovely. Although there is one, <laughs> there was one that says Jasmine Bertels is actually Posh Spice. Oh, brilliant. I don't know how that happened. Well, um, if you go into Google and put Jasmine Bertel's husband, it comes up with Vernon Kay. So, you know, Does yes, it? apparently I'm married to Vernon Kay. I, I, should, I should ask him about it. You know, have we got a good marriage? I, I have heard, I've heard that rumour. <laughs> All this nonsense, this sort of sham marriage with Tess Daly, whereas really... Quite. That's the truth. Yeah. Now, when I, when I first knew you, it was as a comedian, although I was aware by that point you were already a published author. Now you're probably best uh, best known and loved as a financial commentator on just about every channel in existence, barring CBeebies, I would imagine. So, <laughs> yes, but I, oh, <laughs> CBeebies would be good, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you, you might, for all I know, you may well be the, the chair of the Bank of Balamori or something. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> They'd probably do better than our current Bank of England and certainly better than the governor. If I'd known quite how multi-talented you were when at the time we met, I may well have steered clear on the basis that um, I usually avoid having very clever friends lest it highlights my inadequacies but how are you anyway I'm busy I'm, I'm I, I enjoy being busy you know me I, I thrive on work and activity and just doing stuff and this I, I always have actually when I was at school I was one of those people who, who didn't feel I'd had a lesson unless I'd put up my hand you know like oh oh me me, me, me. Yes, yes. Dreadles, what is it now? <laughs> oh, can't remember, but I've said something, you know, um, and <laughs> couldn't, couldn't work out which exams to do because they're all so interesting. And um, yeah, it's, it's sort of always been like that. My constantly thinking, oh, that's interesting. What if I could do that? Oh, that's in, uh, then, oh, hang on a sec. I'm still doing this other thing. Oh, bother. Um, one of the big lessons of life that I learned relatively early on, it took me a few years after graduating, was to finish things before starting a new one. I still have to talk to myself about it, but I'm, I am better than yeah. I was, which is something. Have you um, Have you always had a game plan? I mean, have you always had tendencies to go into financial journalism rather than comedy? Although... The UK economy is a bit of a laugh at the moment. Hasn't it? I, I wish I could say I have a game plan. I'm, you know, whenever people ask me, and they don't so much now, but when they did say, "What's your five-year plan?" You know, I could feel the sort of tension mounting in, in inside because I don't have one. I sort of vaguely think, "Oh, it'd be nice to do, you know, X, Y, and Z." And why haven't I done that? And then I think, "Oh, well, here's this to do now." I, I am a bit of bit of a last minute. I do plan a bit but not long term. Um, and, and I think it's partly or maybe largely because I see so many possibilities. So when you see multiple possibilities, it's very difficult actually to plan. Are you, are you terrible at saying no, though? I'm a shocker. I'm just a gal that mm. can't say no. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, it appears you've also got a career running in dentistry at the moment. Uh, uh, to, to be honest, you're not in the studio with me and I can hear a lot of drilling going on. Yes, in the it's a joy and it's a thrill. I, I live in a, um, a you know block of flats and we they've been replacing the lift next right next to me for about five months he comes in drills for an hour and then goes off and yes it, just as we've started to chat he's decided to do the major part of the drilling and and it's it's a joy and and ah uh, there you are there he is just doing it just just to show you he's there can you hear marvelous <laughs> uh, given the events of the last few weeks with the mini budget fallout there is a temptation to say uh, 
uh, uh, that we've never known anything quite like this before. But then weren't we saying that during Black Monday and Black Wednesday? And weren't we saying that during the banking crisis of 2008? Yeah, we were. And, and you know, neither you nor I, of course, remembers the 70s. But, um, you know, God, no. it, it was it, it did seem, you know, in the 70s, and that lasted for years, that we were completely under a cloud. I mean, I look at it now from, from the vantage point of um, 2022, and and I realise what my parents were saying about prices going up and up, which, of course, at the time, I didn't, you know, well, you, you're a child, I didn't care. Um, but uh, yes, no, it, did, it did make a big, it was a, a huge thing. It was made a big impact on everybody's lives. And as you say, 2008 was enormous. It was, it should have been bigger than it was, actually. I realise now that the banks should have been allowed to fail. At the time, I was on telly saying, you know, it's all right, the government's shoring, shoring the banks up. Not realising that, for example, you know, RBS was shored up to the tune of £58 billion. Pounds, and yeah. it's still yeah. a zombie bank. And, and the banks right now are zombie banks. We should be allowing them all to either fail or be, be nationalised. Um, and I think that everybody at the Bank of England needs to be replaced. I thought I'd go along with you. I think that they've been talking down. Well, Mark Carney did it too. They've been talking down the economy for years. Agreed. And right now, what we have, I think, um, is is everybody talking everybody else down. Um, I mean, obviously, I didn't vote for uh, Liz Trust. None of us did, um, uh, unless you remember the Conservative Party. Um, but. I, it's really unhelpful to be um, fighting against her and her policies just at a time when we really all need to pull together. Um, I'm I'm actually quite relaxed about um, her growth policies. I, I, it's something that I've been asking for. I'm not so relaxed about um, increasing interest rates, although I can see um, why they're doing it. I was one of the people who said we should be raising interest rates much earlier. But at this stage, I think we need to go for growth. But even if you don't agree with that, it's still better for Bank of England and the government and, and just the Conservative Party as a, an entity to work in the same direction and just sort of put their own personal differences aside and, and you know, try and work for the country. I completely agree. I think there's far too much politicking mm. going on in the Bank of England. It would be pretty remarkable if, if every economy in the world hadn't struggled in the aftermath of COVID and during the currency of the war in Eastern Europe. It's much easier for everyone to blame everything on quasi quarting. Although mm. my microwave pack, packed up the other week, and I'm blaming quasi for that. So. Quite right, quite right. Yes, no, absolutely. Yes. I, I, I'm one of those awful people that was saying from the start of lockdown that lockdown was um, a, a very bad idea. We should never do it, and that furlough was an appalling thing. So I've been saying the same thing over and over, and and now finally, in, in the last few months particularly, I'm finding there are quite a lot of people who. During lockdown, we say we've got to lock down harder, lock down harder. Are now saying, oh, what a terrible thing lockdown was. What a, what a it's, it's really ruined our, our um, yeah. economy. I'm also, um, and have been not so loudly, but I am, um, have been against um, funding the war in Ukraine. Um, it's just money down a drain. It's, it's really not going to help at all, not at all. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm against the, the crowd on most things at the moment. <laughs> That's obviously a very different issue. Um, uh, regarding your um, literary career, mm. um, are you still writing your little books? I say little books because they were specifically little books designed for toilet reading. Were they? Absolutely. Were your first books were. I used to be in toilet. The woman's little instruction book. Yeah, I used to be in toilets around the around the country. I probably still am in some. <laughs> you know, they've got a few doggy yeah, versions I've got, of. 
Yeah. What have you got? Which ones have you got? The Little Book of Excuses was oh, my yes. favourite one. And the Little Book Little Book of Abuse was a bestseller. Yeah. But, um, mm. I'm, I'm curious. I'm very curious about 1,001 knock-knock jokes. How on earth did you find 1,001? Yeah, good point. Uh, you know, I started to just come up with words and uh, came up with rhymes with them um, because, yes, I, I had oh, to... You to, made them yeah, up? Yeah, I had to make them up because there aren't 1,001. Wow. <laughs> I've always liked the, the fact that on your website, whereas Martin Lewis describes himself as a money-saving expert, you're a self-styled money-making expert too. And some of the latest tips in that section of the site, including selling empty boxes and empty toilet rolls it's so if you go to moneymagpie.com yes you find out what it's that, amazing that what you can make money out of honestly and and this is what we we are constantly looking for daft ways to make money and the dafter the better and, and, but you know it is true that there's there's a lot you can make money out of that you wouldn't have realized broken things as you say toilet roll in it's even sort of used posh um uh, bottles of perfume when i say used you know you've got posh perfume you do a few squirts you think oh no smells like toilet duck um you can still sell them <laughs> online you can sell them on ebay uh, to people who particularly like that that perfume well look, jasmine it's been wonderful speaking to you we'll, we'll catch up very soon i hope um, i'm not known personally for fiscal prudence but i'm now determined to save money for some new topiary for my garden just so that i can say i've got a hedge fund <laughs> i'll stick that in one of my kids jokes books yes would you please <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine, thank you so much. I thank will you. catch up with you very soon. Thanks, Thanks so much. Indeed. It's the Sunday Miller. I was talking about Elon Musk earlier, and that brought to mind another story in the press this week about the most popular baby names in the UK. The most popular name for girls this year is once again Olivia, closely followed by Amelia and Isla, with some old traditionals coming back into fashion, such as Ivy, Lily and Florence. As for the boys, the equivalent top name for the last few years, Oliver, slipped down to number two in the rankings, and you can't get much more old-fashioned a name than Noah, which is the new number one with a bullet. That's, that's an old chart rundown expression, by the way, uh, just in case you thought I was developing violent tendencies. Well, it transpires that Elon Musk has 10 children by three different women. I'm not sure of their gender, but in Elon's bizarre world, I wouldn't be too surprised if they didn't know either. What sort of hybrid is formed from a beautiful blonde woman and a bloke looks like, who looks like his face has melted? Needless to say, the madder he's got over the years, the madder his kids' names have gone. A couple of the early arrivals were called Griffin and Xavier, fair enough. But the newer ones, with his latest squeeze, the singer Grimes, are their son X-A-A-X-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-
Mind you, that's actually more common than I first thought. I mean, after all, the Queen had three sons, and they were all called Prince. And so was Prince. Nick Miller, the face for radio. The voice for a ransom demand. So that's it for me for another show. Who knows what lies in store for us in the coming week. The Tories might even boot out Liz Truss and change the rules of the leadership election. And instead of a protracted 12 weeks of campaigning, it'll all be decided by naked arm wrestling in a bathtub full of baked beans or or poo sticks under Westminster Bridge. Now, remember, you may not agree with some of my opinions, but life's all about diversity of opinion. It would be bloody boring if we all agreed on everything, unless you agreed with me, in which case that'd be fine. (laughs) I jest, of course. In this polarised, divided world, please don't cancel anyone. They may just have a point. I'd like to tell you what's in next week's podcast, but I can't because the news hasn't happened yet. See you next time. The Sunday Miller, written and presented by Nick Miller. With special guests, Jasmine Bertles and the voice of the balls, Alan Dedicote. The Sunday Miller is an ultimate sound and vision production. 